All right, what's up, Clover Hill? How are you guys doing today? You guys excited to be here? Man, it's, it's an honor for me. If you don't know me, my name is Brian, and I uh, pastor a church down in the Tri-Cities. We are a church because of you guys, and uh, we wouldn't have a church if it wasn't for you. Uh, I said that this morning, Clover Hill is my second favorite church. Don't be offended by that. If you ever hear a pastor say that his church isn't his favorite, uh, he might be in trouble. But uh, it's just such an honor to be here. And I know Pastor Stan's gone, but come on, how many love your pastor? Isn't he awesome? I love Pastor Stan. And if you can't say Philemon, I love him. He is the best, and so, uh, Pastor Angie, please share uh, just my deep appreciation. It is always an honor uh, to get to come here and uh, be a part of uh, what God is doing, and uh, this is just such an amazing, amazing church. Uh, when Pastor Stan uh, asked me to do this series, How to Neighbor, uh, just excited just to jump in with what God's doing here. Uh, last Sunday, he encouraged you guys to do three things. Uh, he said, number one, build relationships with other people. How many think it's important to expand our circle, and we got to get to know people maybe that aren't of faith, that aren't in church, and he said, once you do that, then share your story. Uh, how many know you may not have a message to preach, but you got a story to share? I, I love what G the Word of God says, that we overcome the world by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, which means Jesus did his part. Are you doing your part? Share your story of what God's doing. And then I love the last part, invite people to church. And I think you guys have one of the best churches to invite people to. Anybody love your church here today? Come on, invite people. Bring them. Bring them. Well, as I continue this series, How to Neighbor, when he gave me the title, I couldn't help but first start to think of my neighbors, my neighbors. Now, I live in Chester, so I'm in this uh, county, but uh, kind of the Enon area, and I've been in my current neighborhood for about two and a half years. About three months after I moved in, uh, a neighbor across the street, I'm just going to call her Landscape Lady, Landscape Lady moved in about three months after I did, and uh, before she moved in, I thought my landscaping was pretty good. Like, I, I was content, I was happy, uh, but I think uh, Landscape lady took on a full-time job and it was called her land and so she started mulching things I didn't think you were supposed to mulch she was planting trees places I, I don't know if she uh, had, had an agenda here but she was uh, going to Lowe's every day flowers and baskets of flowers and man after a while she put in an irrigation system I don't have one of those uh, about six months in my land was looking pretty bad. I would come home and I would find that my wife didn't even ask me all. She started going to Lowe's and buying flowers and mulch and uh, she was trying to keep up with Landscape Lady. Uh, and then last Christmas, right before Christmas, uh, we had, I'm just going to call him Christmas Guy. Christmas Guy moved in right beside me. Now, last Christmas, our, our neighborhood was pretty chill, like maybe a candle in a window, not Christmas Guy. Christmas Guy starts about November 1st. Uh, he's actually on the Tacky Light Tour. You can see his house from now. Like, it's crazy. It's crazy. So what we do? We went out and bought some more lights. We're hanging lights on the, on the roof and on the side where we're lighting up our bushes. We got to keep up with Christmas guy. Uh, and then this past summer, a few months ago, I met snake guy. You say, who's snake guy? Well, uh, I had two snakes visit my house within 10 days of each other. And I'm just a believer of God's word that snakes are the enemy. Uh, and so I, I'm not a killer of snakes. I don't know what to do. Uh, but lucky for me, um, we live near a military base, so much of my neighborhood is a lot of military people. So I went knocking on Snake Guy's door, and I said, hey, Snake Guy, it's not his name. I said, Snake Guy, I've got a snake. Do you have anything to do to get rid of this snake? He came over. He looked at it. He says, I've got exactly what you need. He went back to his house, came to my house, didn't even ask, pulls out a revolver, and loads into that snake. My son thought that was the coolest thing in the world, in the world. You know, as I've come today uh, to kind of continue the series, How to Neighbor, here's what I feel like God is wanting to say. I believe that God is wanting to take this church to another level. 
I believe that God is wanting you to be landscape lady. I believe that God wants you to live your life in such a way that when people are watching, uh, they look how beautiful your life is, how much faith that you have, that they look at Clover Hill and say, you know what, I, I-, I need to go there. I want to be a part of what God's doing. I, I believe in a land and a community uh, and a world that is so dark. I believe that Clover Hill needs to be Christmas guy, that your light shines so bright, everybody can see it, and people are just drawn to the light. And I believe this, people may not be dealing with snakes, but I mean, know that people, the enemy is coming against people, and I believe this church should be the church that people go to for answers. Come on, how many think that's the church that God has called us to be? You know, as I come here today, I believe with all my heart that God, that God is saying this, that God has got a whole new level for this church to go to. That guy's got a whole new place. I don't know if you've seen the movie Forrest Gump, but if you remember the very beginning of that scene, uh, Forrest Gump as a young boy got on the bus, uh, and the, every time he went to go find a seat, a kid would say, you can't sit here. He'd go to the other seat and say, you can't sit here. Well, I want to encourage you with that word today. I'm not here to be a bully, but I want to tell you as a church, you can't stay here. You can't sit here. And they told Forrest Gump that because he wasn't good enough. I'm here to tell you that you can't stay where you are because you're too good. You can't stay where you are because you're too blessed. This church is too anointed, too gifted, too generous. How many believe that God has got a new place, a new level for you to go to? And you've got to understand you can't stay here. Come on, someone tell somebody beside you, you can't stay here. Literally, get up move to another seat. No, you can't stay here. God has got a whole nother level for you to go to. You know, if you're taking notes, here's what I want to give you. Always give uh, uh, one thing to know in my messages. Here, here's what I want to say to you today is this. If you go to another level, your neighbors will too. If you go to another level, your neighbors will too. Just like I was watching my neighbors, this place, everyone's watching, everyone's believing. My kids go to Chesterfield County too. I just got an email uh, this past week as we get ready to go back to school that they will be sending 60,000 students back to Chesterfield County schools. I'm thankful that Clover Hill is a big church. I'm thankful that you're reaching over 2,000 people. But compare this to the 60,000, not just adults, but students. How many believe that we've got a lot of people to neighbor? How many believe we've got a lot of people to reach? We've got more things to do. And I believe your better days are ahead of you, not behind you. I believe that God has got miraculous things for you. And he wants to take you personally to another level. He wants to take Clover Hill to another place. Now, anytime that God decides to take a group of people to another place, it always starts with one person. God will call on somebody to do that. To kind of, kind of have a basis for today's message, I want to go uh, to look at the people of Israel. You know, the people of Israel uh, found themselves in slavery to the nation of Egypt, uh, not because Egypt was so bad, but because they had disobeyed God. They had rebelled against God, and so God allowed Egypt to take them over. They multiplied over two million of them, and, uh, but God raised up a guy named Moses to set them free. Uh, maybe you're thinking here today, well, God couldn't use me to be that catalyst, couldn't use me to be that person. Remember, Moses was someone who was a murderer. Moses ran from God. Moses had a stuttering problem. How many believe that if God can use Moses, he can use you? God can use you to do something great, but you've got to believe it. And, and God showed up to Moses, says, Moses, I, I want to use you. Right in through a burning bush, uh, he was watching some sheep, and God says, I want you to go to Pharaoh, and I want you to tell him that I sent you. And I want you to help my people go to a new place. Because God would never take you out of something unless he has something better for you. And God says, well, f- well, that's fine, God, but I don't even know who you are. You know, we're getting ready to do this series called Explore God. How many know your neighbors can't explore God unless you explore God? How many know your neighbors can't know God until you know God? They can't know who they are until you know yourself. Moses couldn't lead a people that he couldn't lead himself. 
And so Moses says, well, God, I don't even know who you are. What's your name? When I go tell them, God sent me, who do I say? And in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, God introduces himself to Moses for the first time by name. And he says that this will be my name for generations to come. And in verse number 14, he says, Moses, my name is I am. He says, I am that I am. When you go to Egypt, all you got to say is I am sent you. What was God saying? God was saying, Moses, I am God. I am everything you need. I am with you. I am fighting for you. I am everything that you need. Now, you've got to understand today that you and I are literally made in the image of God. God made everything in our world, but only one thing did he make that was like him, and that is us. And so if God's name is I am, and God knows who he is, the question is, do you know who you are? Because other people cannot explore God if you don't know who you are. And I believe that God wants to take your faith to another level. I believe that God wants you to realize today who you are in him. I, I will say it like this, is that whatever follows I am will follow me. Whatever follows I am will follow me. Whatever comes after my words will create my future. If you're constantly saying the wrong I am's, if you're saying I'm not called, I'm not gifted. I'm not good enough. Our church can't do it. Well, guess what? Your church won't do it if you don't think you can. You won't be gifted if you don't think you are. You won't be good enough if you constantly declare, I'm not a great mom. I'm not a strong teenager. I can't believe everything God has for me. God is saying that your words are powerful. Your words make a difference. God, God I want you to understand that you've got to get to a place in your faith where you stop letting your words dictate who you are. I want to remind you today that you are not who you say that you are. You are not who your past says that you are. Too many of us here today have let our worst moments define who we are. You are not who your past says you are. You are not who the enemy says you are. You need to go right to God's word and declare over your future that I am who God says that I am. And God says that I'm his. God says that I'm anointed. God says that I'm free. God says that I'm called. God says I'm the head and not the tail. God says I'm above and not beneath. God says the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in me. God says I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. God says he will supply all my needs according to his riches in heaven. Come on, how many ready to declare God's word over your life? You are who God says that you are. And if God has a future for you, then you've got to know it's a future that God wants you to walk in. That God has something amazing for you to do. And your words are that powerful. Think about this for a second. If you and I are created in the image of God, how did God create the world? What did God use? He didn't make the world with his hands. He made it with his word. God looked into darkness and said, let there be light, and there was light. God created everything with his words, and you and I are made in his image. So let me say it like this. You and I will create our world with our words. And so what words are coming out of your mouth? Who do you think that you are? I think that you're something more than you think that you are. The Bible says, in a man's heart, as a man thinks, so is he. Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Your words are prophetic. You may not think you're a prophet. You are. Your words are creative. They are powerful. They will literally create your destination. It will create your future. Think about this. Every time you open your mouth, you may not be able to see your words, but they literally go out of your mouth and create your future. They go out of your mouth and they create the life that you're going into. Look at Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 says. It says, the tongue has the power of life and death. Let me ask you this question. 
Are you speaking life or death over your future? Are you speaking life or death over your marriage? Parents, are you speaking life or death over your children? Church, are you speaking life or death over your church? I believe with all my heart that God has given you the ability to stand on his word and not your words. And that by faith you can speak out into existence what God has for you. And it's time to declare over your future that God wants to prosper you, that God wants to bless you, that God has a promised land for you. Just like God wanted to set his people free, to, to take them into a place. God has the best is yet to come for your life and for your church but you've got to speak it by faith you've got to believe it you got to start walking in it now I, I want to take this same verse if it's okay and give my own version to it I'm not trying to come up with a new version of the Bible but let me take this same verse because I I believe in 2016 we've got to take this to another level I believe the tongue does have the power of life and death but let me say it like this your status has the power of life and death your post has the power of life and death your tweet has the power of life and death. Your Instagramming, if that's a word, has the power of life and death. Your neighbors are watching everything that you say. Let me ask you, it's not just what comes out of your mouth. Sometimes it's what comes from your thumbs. Are you breathing life over this community? Are you bringing life over everyone that's watching? Because I believe that God wants to, by faith, take you to another level. Not just for you, but for everyone around you. Come on, how many believe that today? Can you say amen? You know, as we go back to this story, I want you to see something, how powerful this is, because it's so true. When, when God used Moses to set the people free, God did that. He led them right out of Egypt, led them through the desert. But once again, God didn't set you out of a past just to kind of leave you wandering. God brings you out of your past to set you up for a future. A future, the Bible says, flowing with milk and honey, which means his blessing. And God had a promised land for the people of Israel. But God brought them right up to the promised land. He set them free, fed them in the desert, did miracle after miracle. And then he said, Moses, here's the land. It's for you. But here's what I know about a lot of people. Everybody wants the promised land, but nobody wants to pay for it. Everybody wants to go to another level, but they want it to be given to them. And God says, I set you free. I brought you right up to this place, and this land is yours. It is a blessed place, but you've got to go get it. You've got to pay for it. You've got to go take it. There are some enemies there. You're going to have to defeat them. This land is your land, but you've got to go get it. And so Moses brought them right to that land, and he sent 12 spies in. If you know the story, 12 spies went in to kind of see what was going on, and they came back and gave a report. Now listen to this. Ten of the 12 had negative IMs. Ten of the 12 said, you know what, Moses, it is a blessed land. It is flowing with milk and honey. We believe it is everything that God says it is. But there are giants there. But we're going to have to pay a price, and we can't do it. They began to say the wrong I am's. I am too small. I'm like a grasshopper in my own eyes. We can't do it, Moses. But I'm thankful for two guys named Joshua and Caleb. Aren't you thankful for men of faith? They came back and said, Moses, you're right. We are going to have to fight. There is a price to pay. But if God is for us, who can be against us? He said he will go with us. He says we're not going back. And Joshua and Caleb had faith, but I want you to get something in this story. And it was true in the Old Testament, and it's true today. That faith, listen, fear is always spreads faster than faith. Negativity always spreads faster than hope. And the whole Moses generation bought into the negativity of the ten. 
all of them. The whole generation says, you know what? They said we can't do it. We can't do it. They began to speak Moses. They began to complain. They began to say, let's go back to Egypt. Think about this. They'd rather go back to the bondage. They'd rather go back to slavery. They'd rather go back to where they were than to pay the price for everything that God has for them. I don't know about you, but I don't want to go back to where I was. I don't want to go back to my old life. I want every promise that God has for me in my future, no matter what price I have to pay. And let me tell you this. The promise will always be greater than the price. The promise is always greater than any sacrifice that you've got to make. But the entire Moses generation wasn't willing to pay. And they began to speak fear. And they began to speak doubt. And I want to show you a verse that I believe the Bible is so, so personal, so real. And, and many times the Bible, I believe, can bring a fear to you. And I want to show you a verse that God gave Moses that hopefully will be sobering to you. But, but here's what I know about God's word. If you stand on the right side of it, you'll, have, you'll be blessed. If you stand on the right side of it with faith, God will do great things. But if you stand on the wrong side of it, you'll be cursed. And here's the a verse. After all that negativity, look what Numbers chapter 14 says. Starting in verse 28, God said to Moses, so tell them, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, look at this, I will do to you the very thing I heard you say. I have a land for you, I promised it to you, but you chose to live your words, not my word. I said you could do it, you said you couldn't, I said I was with you, you didn't believe me, so everything you said, I will do. Not one of you who said the wrong I am's, not one of you who spoke fear over faith will enter the land I swore except Joshua and Caleb. As you hear that, I don't know what kind of weight that puts on your heart today, but maybe it's repentance, maybe it's encouragement. I I want you to know, here's what God is saying to Clover Hill today. God is saying, Clover Hill, I will do for you exactly what you say. I will do for you exactly what you say. If you say you can't go to another level, you won't. If you say you can't reach your neighbors, you won't. If you say that your best days are behind you, they will be. But God is looking for Joshua and Caleb's. God is looking for a new generation to say it's not how you start, it's how you finish, that if God has something powerful for us, I'm going to stand on God's word, I'm going to believe it, and I'm going to go forward in God's word. I am who God says I am, and I can do what God says I can do. Come on, how many believe that over your life today? Forty years later, the Moses, the entire Moses generation passed away. Joshua and Caleb, even though they believed by faith, because majority rules, they had to wait till that generation died off. But finally, it was Joshua's turn. And God says, Joshua, I want you to lead your people now, the Joshua generation, into the promised land. And they said they had to cross the Jordan. And the one place that stood in front of them in the promised land was a little city called Jericho. Here's my question for you. What's your Jericho? There will always be something standing in your way of the promised land. Something. And God says, you can't go around it. You've got to go through it. Now, Jericho, if you know the story, they had built a great wall all around the city. This was not Donald Trump's idea. Uh, They had this way back in Jericho. And they said, this is what you've got to do. You can't go around it or through it. You've got to fight. But I think God learned a lesson, and I think Joshua learned a lesson. And they came up with a new battle plan. You know what the new battle plan was? We're not going to send 12 spies. We're not going to give a report. I want to send the worship team. I want to send the army. And we're going to march around this city. But here's the difference. Be quiet. Don't say a word. I want you to march around one time every day. And don't say a single word. Joshua learned the lesson. You know what the lesson is that we need to learn today? Here's what it is. Be positive or be quiet. Be positive or be quiet. If you've got nothing of faith to say, don't say nothing at all. 
Joseph, Joshua was like, I ain't spending 40 more years, y'all. You keep your mouth shut because he knew what was going to happen. He knew if they marched around those walls, they say, why are we doing this? It takes no faith at all to complain. It takes no faith at all to be negative. It takes no faith at all to not believe in the promises of God. And God says, just be quiet, be quiet. They marched around six days, and on the seventh day, the number of God, they marched around seven times. And the first words that came out of their mouth was not complaining. The first words that came out of their mouth was not negativity. On the seventh time, on the seventh day, when the trumpet sounded in unison, all of them began to shout and worship. And the first thing that came out of their mouth was praise, and the walls came down. I don't know what walls you're facing today. I don't know what's going on in your neighborhood today. But instead of bringing your problems to God, why don't you bring your praise to God? Instead of declaring how big your walls are, how about you declare how big your God is? God is bigger than every situation. Learn the lesson from the people of Jericho. Say, if you can't say anything positive, shut up till Sunday and let the first words be praise to God. Come on, how many you believe your worship can bring your walls down? God wants to take you to another place. You can't talk negative and live a positive life. You can't talk in defeat and experience victory. Your words, think about this. God promised the power of his Holy Spirit. I want you to think of a water hose with a valve. You know what shuts off the flow of the power of the Holy Spirit? Fear, doubt, and negativity. You know what turns on the faucet? Faith. The power of the Holy Spirit is available to everyone. But you've got to build your life on the word of God. I don't know about you, but I want all the power. I want all the promises. I want everything to flow through my life. And it's my praise. It's my worship. It's my words. Your praise will determine your future. Your prayers will determine your future. If you want a promised land, let your words go ahead of you. Let your worship go ahead of you. Let your praise go ahead of you. And I believe that your words are prophetic and will create the future that God has for you. You know what Romans chapter 4 verse 17 says about our God? It says this. It says, he is our God. I love what it says. He is our God who calls into being things that were not. God is the one who looked into darkness and said, let there be light. God is the one who looked at a dead body and said, come back to life. You know, if you and I are made in the image of God, we've got to be people of faith that have enough faith not to live by what we see. It takes no faith to look at what you see. It takes faith to look at what you don't see and to declare the word of God over your life and over your children. You say, well, pastor, isn't it hypocritical to say that I'm good when things aren't good? Isn't it hypocritical to say that, that I'm healed when I'm really sick? No, I want you to understand this. Let me give you a definition of faith according to this verse. Here's what it is. Faith is not declaring your reality, it's declaring your future. That's what faith is. It takes no faith at all to declare where you are. It takes faith to declare where you're going. That's why Paul said if you're sick, don't say you're sick. He said let the sick say, I am healed. If you're poor and you're facing debt and problems, let the poor say, I am rich. If you're weak today and you don't feel strong enough to face your circumstance, Paul said let the weak say, I am strong. It's not a statement of ignorance. It's not a statement of being a hypocrite it's a statement of faith that says my words will create my future and I may be sick but I'm trusting God's healing I may be weak but I'm trusting God's strength I believe that God wants to do that look what David said in Psalms 107 verse 2 he says let the redeemed of the Lord feel so no maybe I got that wrong let the redeemed of the Lord think so 
Come on, say it with me. It's up on the screen. What does it say? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. God wants us to say it. You've got to speak it, and you've got to believe it. That's what faith is all about. I believe that God wants to take this church to another level. You've got to start speaking over your kids. You've got to start speaking over your marriage, that your marriage is going to be better than it ever has. That maybe you've got kids that don't know the Lord. You've got to start speaking that they're going to know the Lord. You've got to start speaking the word of God over them. As a church family, you've got to start believing that God's going to use you to make a difference in this world, that he's got a promised land for you. You know, it wasn't too long ago, seven years ago, six years ago, I was actually an intern here at this church, and Pastor Stan, because he's such a generous pastor, brought me on for a year uh, because I told him I had this heart and this vision to start a church down in the Tri-City area. Uh, he was about the only person that really believed in me. Uh, besides my wife, she said, he said, come here, I'll help you. And I'll never forget kind of being an intern here. Matter of fact, it was under the stage somewhere in the basement downstairs. Uh, he had a staff meeting one week. I'll never forget it. Uh, they were all circled around a table. I don't even know if I was allowed to be at the table. I was kind of on the outside, but I was taking notes, and I was listening. I, I didn't have anybody on my team, didn't have any money. Uh, you know, your neighbors are watching you. People are watching you. Sometimes people don't have enough faith for themselves, and they need to borrow somebody else's faith. And I just believed if Stan said something, I would believe it. If he believed in me, i believe in myself. And he was sharing the histories like he was talking about the team and why I come there and he was encouraging them to have faith. He was saying, guys, listen, it took us 10 years. He says 10 hard, uh, grueling years to get this church past a thousand people. It took 10 years of just working hard and believing hard and praying uh, to get this church where it is today. And then he looked at me, he says, why, why does Brian have to wait 10 years? Why can't he stand on our shoulders? He, he said this, he goes, why can't, why can't Destination have a thousand people in its first year? I don't even know if he believed it. I don't think he did, but he spoke it in a Stan Stoke, I believed it. I wrote it down. I said, you know what? He said we could do it. And I, I said, we could have a 1,000 people. I prayed we'd have over 400 on our first day. I don't think he believed that either. But you know what God did? On our first Sunday, over 450 people. By month 12, over 1,000 people have given their life to Christ. Every Sunday, someone gets saved. You know why? Because we believe it. We speak it. We say, God, your word says if we honor you, you will add to our number daily those that are being saved. Faith, it takes no faith to declare where you are. It takes faith to declare where you're going. You say, well, pastor, how do my neighbors see me? How do they see me? Let me, let me tell you how everyone sees you. You want to know how everyone sees you? It's really simple. Let me put it like this. People see you the way you see you. People see you the way you see you. If you're walking around all the time and saying you're a nobody, that's how people are going to see you. If you walk around saying I'm not gifted, that's how people are going to see you. I'm not talking about being arrogant, but I'm talking about being humble and confident, knowing that God called you, he made you. The Bible says in Psalms 139 that he formed your body together in your mother's womb and that he put a plan for you. Matter of fact, I want you to know your calling came before your body, that before God even made you, he had a purpose for you and a plan for you. you got to start understanding who you are in Jesus Christ, that you are called and you are gifted. But people will see you the way you see you. You know, and during that report, when the people of Israel came back to Moses and gave this negative report, look how they saw themselves in Numbers chapter, I love this, uh, Numbers chapter 13, verse 33. Here's the negative Moses generation report. It says, all the people, all the people saw that they were of great size. We saw they were of great size. We seemed, everybody say, we seemed. It says, we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. It goes on to say, and we looked the same to them. 
You know why they seem small in the other people's eyes? Because they seem small in their own eyes. They didn't understand. See, Joshua and Caleb, they saw giants, but they saw a God that was bigger than the giant. They saw a problem, but they saw a God that was bigger than a problem. You've got to start seeing yourself the way God sees you. You've got to understand that I am, that God is everything that you need. Anything that God has, you have access to. Everything that God is, you are. You know, one of the Ten Commandments, you know, in the story of Moses going through the desert uh, on that way, one of the things that God did was he gave Moses the Ten Commandments. Uh, as we get ready to close, you know, I want to encourage you with something today. I think one of the most misinterpreted and misused of all the Ten Commandments is this one right here. Uh, God told Moses of the Ten, he says this, he says, do not take the Lord's name in vain. Do not take the Lord's name in vain. Now, I grew up in a pastor's kid home, kind of a traditional church home, and maybe you kind of interpreted that verse the way I was taught, which means basically don't Christian cuss. Don't, don't hit your hand with a hammer and say Jesus Christ unless you're worshiping him. That God's last name doesn't start with a D. You know, we said, you know, we don't use the Lord's name in vain. Again, that commandment does, and I believe in that, but the commandment didn't say thou shalt not use the Lord's name in vain. The commandment says thou shalt not take the Lord's name in vain. What is the Lord's name? Let's go back to Exodus 3.14. What's his name? His name is I Am. And you and I are made in his image. So what's your name? I Am. I Am called. I Am gifted. I Am everything he has. You know, to kind of help us understand what that verse means, i got to kind of explain it in a, in a term or an analogy that we understand. You see, as a single guy going to Bible college, I, God blessed me enough to find and fall in love with this beautiful blonde-haired girl named Kelly. And at that time, her name was Kelly Baker, but on August the 15th, we just celebrated 18 years a couple of days ago, uh, on August the 15th, 1998, the greatest day of her entire life, she walked down that aisle, and she gave up the name Baker, and she took on Briggs. I don't know if it's an upgrade or a downgrade, but she took that name on. Uh, we didn't have no prenup. We didn't have nothing to prenup about. We didn't have any money, but you know what we did? That She didn't take my name just on her license. She didn't just take my name on her passport. What was she saying? The Bible says that the two will become one. Everything I have, she has. Everything she has, I have. Husbands, have you ever gotten discouraged when your wife thinks she's not beautiful? Have you ever gotten discouraged when she's having a bad day? Why? Because she's a reflection of you. And if she doesn't think that she's beautiful, you're thinking, man, that you're a part of me. Can I tell you this? I want you to understand as a Christian, on the greatest day of your life, when you accepted Jesus in your heart, when he forgave all of your sins, you took his name. You became a Christian. It's not just you anymore. And I want you to understand that the two became one. Everything God has, you have. Every power he has, you have. So think about this. When you walk around declaring the wrong I am's, I'm not strong enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not gifted. I'm ugly. I'm too poor. I have this. Every time you do that, you are taking the Lord's name in vain. Every time you do that. Because can I tell you something? If God is faithful, guess what? You have faithfulness. I'm not righteous because I'm righteous. I'm righteous because God's righteous. I am everything that God says I am. It is time for you to stop declaring that who you are based on what you've done or who this world says you are. You've got to go to God's word and understand that he said he will supply all your needs. Everything that he has, you have today. If he wants to take you to a new place, how many believe he can do that today? I believe it. But you've got to stand on his word. You've got to believe it. When I was 17 years old, when I was 17 years old, I accepted not only Jesus in my life, but I felt God put a call in my life. Many times people say, well, when were you called? Well, I wasn't really called when I was 17. I believe God called me in my mother's womb. I just heard the call when I was 17. 
I want you to put your hand on your heart with me just for a second today. See, some of you are waiting for like a divine moment from God to do something for God. Can I tell you your divine moment? If you feel a heartbeat right now, that's your divine moment. You're alive today because God's got a purpose for you. You're alive today because God's got a plan for you. Your better days are ahead of you. I want you to understand that you've got to know who you are. When I was 17, I answered that call. A year later, I went on my very first missions trip. I went to Caracas, Venezuela with a bunch of teenagers I didn't know. God used that trip to confirm that calling. Uh, it was at a Sunday service uh, uh, in Caracas. The whole thing obviously was in Spanish. I didn't understand a word of what was going on, uh, but God was just breaking my heart for the lost. And I walked in, and halfway through that service, there was an elderly woman, a Latino woman, who walked up to me, and there was like 50 of us, but she kind of picked me out and pulled me aside, and, and she, she started talking to me. I didn't understand anything she was saying except one word. She was pointing at my chest, and she says, you Joshua, you Joshua. I know that's supposed to sound Hispanic. It sounds more Asian. That's just the way I say, you Joshua. And I said, no. I said, I'm Brian. She goes, no, you Joshua. I said, I thought if I talked slower and louder, no, I'm Brian. She goes, no, you Joshua. And she took me by the arm. She took me over to the seat. She opened her Bible. And she opened up to Joshua chapter 1. You know what she was saying? She was saying, you're the Joshua generation. You're the generation God wants to use. God has called you. God's anointed you. God wants you. got to know who you are. I didn't know who I was. How many understand that you are the Joshua generation? You are everything that God has for you. How many ready to go to that next level just like the Joshua generation did? I want you to stand your feet all across this place. I want to share what she shared to me in Joshua chapter 1. I want to close with this. And I believe this is what God wants to encourage the Clover Hill with today. She took me over to Joshua chapter 1. Let me read this to you as a personal thing. Verse number 2 says this, Moses, Moses, my servant is dead. What was God saying? you got to let the past be the past. Moses was a great man of God. They were great people. But this is a new season. And God's not saying if you're old, he can't use you. He's saying this is a new day. This is a new time. The Moses generation is gone. He says this, now then, you and all these people, get ready. Come on, elbow somebody and say, get ready today. Get ready. We can't stay here. He says, get ready. I want, he goes this, I want you to get ready to cross into the land that I'm about to give you. I will give you every place place where you set your foot. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. Here's what she pointed out to me. She says, be strong and courageous. Keep this book of law always on your lips. Go by God's word, not the words of this world. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Come on, how many of you believe that today? I, I want you to lift your hands all across this place. Can I pray for you? I want you to receive this blessing today. Come on, can I pray that I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Andrew. God, thank you for what you're wanting to do in this church. God, thank you, God, that you're taking them to a new level, personally and corporately as a church. God, let them know today that they are called by God. They are anointed by God. They are gifted by God. They are set free by God. They are full of the Holy Spirit by God. May they stop declaring who they are by their own words or by their past or the words of others. May they say with all faith that I am who God says I am. May they be willing to pay the price to go to the promised land. May they be willing to take that step. And I believe, God, for them as a person and as a church, that the best is yet to come. Come on, if you believe that, can you give God some praise today? God bless you guys.